What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA podcast. I am your host, and my name is John. And this week, we are back to analyze the UFC Fight Night card going down this Saturday, June 13th, 2020, headlined by Jessica I versus Cynthia Calvillo. This 11 fight card will take place at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, and we will be breaking down all 11 fights' betting lines throughout this podcast. Last week, the UFC 250 pay-per-view was not a good uh, betting pay-per-view for me personally. I apologize for some of the, the wrong picks last week. was definitely uh, way off on a few of those fights and, and uh, paid the price on that. But it's a brand new week, and we'll get back to the betting lines this weekend. So the first fight of the evening in the welterweight division, we have Anthony Ivey taking on Christian Aguilera. The opening betting line for this fight was Ivy minus 230 to Aguilera plus 170. Right now we are looking at Ivy minus 190 to Aguilera plus 165. We got two fighters making their UFC debuts in this fight. I watched a lot of both of these guys' fights, and I have to say that I think I'm more impressed with Christian Aguilera. I think he shows the more well-rounded game, and particularly he has a better style suited for this matchup. Uh, Anthony Ivey is uh, predominantly a wrestler. He likes shooting takedowns in all of his fights, and when he's on the feet, he does not really have much skill and tends to just wing uh, crazy overhands and big explosive actions, so I don't think that he's much danger on the feet, but he does swing just so powerful and wildly that it's possible he could touch the chin of Aguilera. Aguilera has been knocked out a few times in the past, and he's actually never been submitted, uh, which is a good thing here, I think, because Ivy's definitely looking to take this fight to the floor, and I'm just really unimpressed with Ivy's takedowns. Uh, his takedowns aren't impressive at all, and once he gets his opponents to the floor, his top game is very unimpressive. He often loses position and is dominating a fight, dominating a position, and then somehow gets reversed or ends up on bottom, and it happened in several of his fights. So I think that's a huge concern. I mean, his main path to victory is supposed to be grappling, but his grappling has looked sloppy over pretty low-level opponents. So I really do not have much faith in Anthony Ivey at all. I think this fight could be lined at a near pick'em with maybe Ivy as, as a slight favorite, but I definitely think that the value is on Aguilera in this one. I already bet him for one unit at plus 175. was expecting the line to come down a little more, um, but it has not come in, uh, not, not much action coming in on Aguilera or either side of this one. And the, the props just opened up over on five dimes, and I saw that Aguilera no scorecards was plus 160, so I threw another unit on that. And I also like the over one and a half rounds in this fight because I think this this fight is just way off in these betting lines because uh, if you look at their records, they have a lot of finishes, um, a lot of submissions and knockouts, and they have not gone the distance much, but their fighting styles aren't really too aggressive. I think that uh, most of their finishes are due to the competition they're facing and not really their own aggression. Um, so I think that this fight has a good chance of actually going the distance. So the over one and a half, the seven and a half minute mark is great value, and it's only minus 125. So I think that the, the odds maker might have messed up in this fight. I think the goes the distance has value you the over one and a half and once again Aguilera money line so I'm pretty confident in Aguilera in the spot I see him stuffing takedowns and landing the better strikes in the feed he's definitely the better striker in my opinion and I think he has the takedown defense and the defensive grappling to avoid getting taken down and spending a long amount of time on his back so uh, the pick for me is going to be Aguilera. I can see a knockout. I can see a decision as well. I'm going to go with a decision as my official pick, but I think that the knockout is probably the most likely finish here. Um, so once again, pick is Aguilera in this one, and I will be betting him as well.
The next fight is in the featherweight division. We have Derek Minner taking on Jordan Griffin. The opening betting line for this one was Griffin, the minus 230 favorite, to Minner plus 170. Right now we are seeing Griffin minus 165 to Minner plus 145. The early action in this fight actually came in on Griffin, and Minner shot up to a plus 250 underdog at one point, and has been steadily bet down since. I mean, just all week has been getting bet, and rightfully so. This is actually a rematch between the two. They fought back in LFA just a few years ago. The way that fight went was Griffin was kind of winging strikes in the feet, definitely the more uh, comfortable striker of the two. Minner was looking to close the distance and get takedowns. He did get takedowns, and Griffin was using that guillotine that he loves to use to try to stuff a takedown or get a submission. It didn't work. Minner was getting the leg lace and landing good ground and pound. He got a back take at some point. Uh, Griffin has great scrambling, great submission defense, and was able to escape and actually attack some submissions of his own. And Minner definitely won the majority of round one, but he actually got reversed and ended round one on his back. And round two started with Minner definitely looking to hit the takedowns again. He did not look like he wanted any part of striking with Griffin on the feet. He was able to hit takedowns. He was uh, out grappling Griffin on the ground, but Griffin just stayed tough, uh, was defending the chokes, and was able to actually get a crazy armbar from a weird position and stop Derek Minner by submission via armbar in the second round. So it was a pretty crazy fight, but if you look at it, I mean, Griffin was losing and getting out grappled, taken down, and Griffin still shows a lot of those same problems i was actually betting against griffin last fight on tj brown as an underdog tj brown was dominating the fight taking him down over and over again was looking a little sloppy doing so and that's what happened he left his neck out on a sloppy takedown griffin snatched it and got a guillotine from a crazy position and put him out cold so you can never count griffin out even when he's getting out grappled and he just stays tough and is always in the fight and a big concern in this fight is the cardio because Derek minner is a, a huge front runner He's always looking to get, to get in the fight aggressively. He's looking to do damage, get top position in round one. But once the fight gets out of the first round, uh, he has a significant drop-off in skill and, and success in his record. I think like 21 of his 24 wins are in the first round. So that just goes to show how much of a front-runner he is. And I think he's maybe... Uh, I don't know, three and six or something like that when fights they get out of the first round. So uh, if this one gets past the seven, eight minute mark, definitely look for Minner to gas out and look for maybe Griffin to take over. But I honestly think that uh, Minner is going to hit the takedowns again in this in this fight. I think that we have seen no improvement from the takedown defense or the footwork of Griffin. He's gotten taken down and out grappled in pretty much every one of his UFC fights. So that's exactly why you saw the early action come in on Derek Minner here is because he probably starts this fight aggressive, gets takedowns, and starts winning the fight. And if he's winning the fight early, your underdog bet is going to be in pretty good shape. And even if he loses the fight late, you're probably going to have good value on your underdog bet considering he's winning and is going to be looking for the finish, looking to get chokes. But... Minner gassing out is a very real possibility. It's actually very likely, and he better either get the, f the finish in the first two rounds or win the first two rounds and try to win on the scorecards because if it gets into that, that second half of round two and round three, I think you're going to have to start to favor Griffin uh, just based on Minner's history. So um, the pick for me is actually going to be Derek Minner to, to win a decision here. I don't think he submits Griffin because Griffin is just so uh, scrambly and so hard to submit. And I think that Minner probably comes out to an early lead. He maybe plays it safe, doesn't go for as aggressive chokes and uh, back takes like he was doing the first fight, losing position. He maybe learns uh, from that first fight a little bit and tries to adapt. So 
I think that Minner wins this one. I actually think that uh, this has a pretty high potential for a draw. Uh, when you think about Minner, maybe comes out, gets a dominant round one, 10 8, then gasses out, loses the next two rounds. Maybe Minner wins the first two rounds, gasses out in the third, and gets dominated 10 8. So I think that if you want to, you know, throw a small wager on the draw, it's a, it's a fun bet in this one. And I do have 1.25 units on Derek Minner at plus 188, and he is now a plus 145. So I got a lot of value on that line. So uh, even if he loses here, it'll probably be a good bet considering the value I got on it. So the pick, once again, is Minner by decision. The next fight is in the Bantamweight division. We have Tyson Nam taking on Zaruka Adashev. The opening betting line for this one was Nam minus 245 to Adashev plus 175. Right now, we are looking at a pick of minus 115 for both fighters, which means... A massive amount of action is coming in on Nadashev, and I have to admit I'm pretty surprised and amazed by this line. And I think that I'd be willing to bet by the time that you guys are listening to this podcast that the line is probably a, a little more in favor of Tyson Nam. He's probably around minus 130, minus 140 in the next few hours, honestly. I don't know how this line is holding right now, but it, it currently is. And the reason I say this is because Adashev is 3-1 and one in mixed martial arts. He's a former kickboxer. He has some glory kickboxing experience. But from what I've seen of his MMA skills, he has done a pretty poor job of adapting uh, his skills. He, he's not fully committing to MMA. He's also fighting kickboxing and MMA at the same time. So MMA is kind of like a, a side gig of his. It definitely seems like he's better at kickboxing with a 16-3 and record. And he lost his first MMA fight by rear naked choke in round one. And he finished some lower-level fighters in Bellator and was hitting some takedowns on low-level fighters. And the Ron Leon fight is a really worrisome fight because Adashev is dominating rounds one and two of that fight. He was hitting takedowns, keeping top control. I mean, this Leon guy looked awful off his back, like a total white belt or blue belt, very little experience. And then Adashev, despite dominating the fight, actually gassed out and was taken down and stuck on bottom in round three. And you got to figure that if he was dominating the fight, not really expending too much energy, and he still gassed out, I mean, the guy's cardio is a definite concern. You add in the fact that he's coming into this fight on like five days short notice. We have no idea what kind of training he was doing. I mean, it's a huge question mark amongst the Dashev. And we haven't even discussed the technical flaws uh, of him as a fighter. And what I noticed from him is... Uh, despite being a kickboxer, he doesn't like to sit back and pick his opponents apart at, at range and pick his strikes and throw uh, limited uh, volume. He likes exploding with big, uh, long strings of offense and flying knees and spinning attacks and long 10-punch combinations. And I just don't think that that fits his style. I mean, when I've seen him stay at range and pick his shots and throw crisp strikes, he actually looks pretty good. But for the most amount of time that I've seen him striking in MMA, he's just exploding and wild and off balance and he has got very poor footwork he's overextended on his punches i mean he's really uh not shown his kickboxing abilities at all i mean if i have not known that he was a, a former kickboxer i would not know at all from watching his fights i would just think he's another uh inexperienced raw mma fighter so I actually am going to favor Tyson Nam pretty heavily in this one. I think it's a huge step down in competition for Tyson Nam. He is 0-2 in the UFC, but fought some pretty stiff competition. Sergio Pettis is a great fighter. Kakar France is a pretty decent fighter. And Tyson Nam hung in those fights. Did get out-volumed and outstruck to a decision in both of them, but... 
I thought in the Kaikar France fight, he showed some real promise when he was moving forward. He was very effective in outstriking Kaikar France. He just hasn't had the best volume. And that's really my biggest concern for Nam in this fight is the volume. I, I don't think that Adashev is a knockout threat at all or a submission threat. I think it really only comes down to his volume, is it? And if these two kickbox for 15 minutes at range, then I could see Nam losing a decision by just not throwing enough strikes and getting out-volumed uh, by the younger, more athletic guy because nam is a 36 year old uh, fighter for the flyweight bantamweight division that's definitely old um so we might see a a, a bit a skill and or excuse me a speed and youth difference for adashev uh, but besides that I, I think tyson nam will win this fight pretty easily i think that he was just outstrike adashev on the feet by landing the, the more damaging strikes and we could even see a knockout from nam he's shown a lot of knockout power in his previous fights not in the ufc yet but i think that this might be his first uh decent win under his belt in the ufc so huge step down in competition for nam at minus 115 minus 110 there's a ton of value i bet 1.5 units on tyson nam at minus 110 so i don't think that price will hold i advise you to uh, get in your bets on nam if you want to hit him now uh, because i think the line should be bouncing back his way after the early action came in on adashev so if you got adashev at plus 175 or anywhere up to maybe plus 130 i think you got a decent bet but there's no value left on adashev and it's totally a nam or pass situation in the betting line the next fight is in the women's bantamweight division. We have Julia Avila taking on Gina Mazzani. The opening betting line for this one was Avila, the favorite, at minus 245 to Mazzani plus 175. Right now, we are looking at Avila minus 525 to Mazzani plus 415. Definitely a bad opening line uh, for this one. The public came in and bet Avila heavily. And I think I actually agree with the line movement here because Avila is just the way, way better fighter. I won't spend too much time on this because I was very impressed with Avila in her UFC debut. She beat a pretty solid fighter in Panny Kianzad and really just showed a totally um, diverse MMA game. She hit takedowns. She outstruck her on the feet. She hurt her with punches. She kept her on the ground, did, uh, did good stuff and takedowns. I mean, she really showed all aspects of MMA in that fight. And I was really impressed. And I, I had kind of forgot about that and re-watching it this week i was actually delighted to see uh some promise from the this bantamweight division in avila gina mazani is stepping in on short notice and just has not looked good in the ufc overall she got swarmed by chiasen and gotten a kind of a crazy brawl got rocked with some punches and stopped in round one she got out clinched by lena landsberg and hit with a lot of knees and elbows in that fight she got taken down out grappled by sarah mcmahon so she definitely hasn't had an easy going in the ufc i won't i'm not trashing gina mazani by any means uh, but i just think that she is outgunned in this fight i think that no matter where the fight goes i think that avila will be doing a lot of damage i think that we could see a knockout from Avila here because she just hits really hard. I mean, she was rocking uh, Kianzad visibly with her punches and getting Kianzad to retreat and, and uh, cover up. And I definitely think that the clinch will be a massive advantage for Avila. She does really good uh, work with knees and elbows in the clinch. And I think that it's pretty likely we see a stoppage. Um, the only reason I would say that it's not possible is because uh, Avila has just not shown good killer instinct or finishing ability. I think she actually specifically said the last fight is that she tried not to finish it in order to uh, showcase her, her overall skill set more. So... 
Uh, I would not be totally surprised by Avila just coasting to a dominant decision in this one, but I think that there's going to be such a massive difference in skill that a knockout for Avila is pretty likely. So I'm going to pick Avila by 30-27 decision, and she's a very safe parlay piece at minus 525, but I would not be betting her straight, and the value is totally gone on Avila at this point. So once again, the pick Avila decision. The next fight is in the lightweight division. We have Kevin Aguilar taking on Charles Rosa. The opening betting line for this one was Aguilar minus 140 to Rosa plus 100. Right now we are seeing Aguilar minus 185 to Rosa plus 160. So much more action coming in on Kevin Aguilar as the favorite in this one. And I agree with the line movement here too. Uh, one thing we should note is this is at lightweight. Both of these guys typically fight at 145 but i guess they're both just uh deciding not to cut weight for this fight i think that actually favors kevin aguilar in this fight because charles rosa returned to the ufc for two fights uh, after taking a two and a half year layoff and in those fights i just noticed that he looked very physically weak i mean he was retreating on the feet a lot he was not looking to engage in the striking he was easily taken down by caught kicks and once he was put on his back he just looked very helpless he was completely dominated by bryce mitchell i mean he was 30 24 by bryce mitchell got 10 aided every single round he was throwing lazy telegraph kicks and he got taken down right away i mean He's fought four rounds in the UFC in the past uh, two fights, and he has thrown bad kicks and gotten taken down in all four of those rounds and never got up. And he did submit uh, Manny Bermudez off of his back with some crazy armbar, but I mean, that was such a lucky win for Charles Rosa. He was definitely on his way to losing that fight, especially after seeing how bad he looked on his back versus Mitchell. So I think that uh, going up a weight class is just going to favor Aguilar. I think he's just going to be the stronger guy. I think that Rosa looked physically weak at 45. I mean, maybe it was the weight cut that was depleting him, but I, I don't think that that's really the factor. I just think that he's probably past his prime as a fighter and still has a contract with some fights, just taking advantage of that contract, taking fights, because, I mean, he got absolutely wiped out in his last fight just five weeks ago. I mean, he probably barely trained since then. I mean, he's definitely not improved as a fighter at all since that loss so uh, the good thing for him is Kevin Aguilar is a totally different matchup Aguilar is not going to look to take him down he is a uh, just a pure boxer pretty much he has great takedown defense he stuffed almost all of Enrique Barzola's takedowns when they fought and Barzola is a great relentless wrestler and I don't think that Rosa will be able to take down Aguilar. And on the feet in this one, I think Aguilar is the way better striker. He's got the more effective boxing. I really like his uh, his counterpunching ability. He's not the greatest counterpuncher, but he does from time to time. And what he does best, though, is punch to the body. I mean, he really rips to the body and, and does damage. And, I mean, there's a, a very few amount of MMA fighters that rip to the body. But I will say a massive percentage of them are good. And it's just a very underrated aspect of MMA is body shots especially with punches and I just think that Charles Rosa will be outgunned on the feet I mean he has not looked good on the feet at all we haven't seen him striking for long amounts of time so it's possible that he makes the fight close if the fight stays on the feet for uh, more than you know 30 seconds than what we've seen from him so far so uh, I just think this is a very bad matchup for Rosa I think that he gets his takedown stuffed he gets outstruck and I think that Kevin Aguilar is a pretty safe bet I would cap him closer to 65 70% in this one and I think that Aguilar by knockout is a pretty likely outcome if this fight finishes pretty much the the most likely outcome is going to be an angular knockout so 
Uh, I think that uh, Aguilar by decision is going to be my pick in this one. The next fight takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Maria Agapova taking on Hannah Cyphers. The opening betting line for this one was Agapova minus 255 to Cyphers plus 215. Right now we are seeing Agapova minus 245 to Cyphers plus 205. So the early action actually came in on Cyphers in this one. Agapova was down to minus 170, minus 160 at one point. So the heavy action has come back in on Agapova. And I actually think that the early action was probably more on course in this one. And I think this is going to be a closer fight than the odds indicate. But it's not a really confident pick for a few reasons. And Agapova is the natural 125er. Cyphers was actually pretty undersized at 115, and now she's moving up to 125 pounds, which is not a good move at all, in my opinion. And I think that that's probably why she loses this fight, is just by being a little smaller than Agapova, not really having as much power behind her punches. But I still give her a pretty good fighting chance because. From what I've seen of Agapova, I'm actually just pretty unimpressed. I mean, she's a, a very tall and long girl. She's got decent southpaw striking, but in terms of her, her defense, I'm not impressed at all. I think she's mostly, mostly an offensively-minded fighter. And even when she's throwing offense, I'm really concerned about her defense. She kind of keeps her head on a straight line. She pulls her chin back in a, in a straight line like the tall man's defense and leaves her chin open for punches. And I think that she is more likely to get in a sloppy kickboxing fight. And if that happens, I think that Cyphers is going to be landing punches. He's going to be doing some good work, maybe getting her in the clinch and trying to muscle her around a little bit. And even though Cyphers is small, she's got some pretty good physical strength and tends to uh, hold her own in the clinch against bigger women than her. So I don't really give Cyphers too many advantages in this fight. I just see it being a close, sloppy, striking decision. So in my opinion, I think that Cyphers at plus 200 is going to be a pretty decent bet considering that this fight is likely going to hit the scorecards. It's likely going to be contested 90% striking, and it's going to look pretty sloppy. And I do expect Agapova to win a decision. I think that she's going to use her reach and her length and just her better striking technique to land the better strikes. But I think it's going to be close. I think that uh, Cyphers gets her way into the clinch and starts winning the clinch exchanges. And Cyphers might even hold her own at distance striking, uh, keeping Agapova honest with her or with her striking as well. So it's going to be a close decision. I do think Agapova probably wins this one 29-28, and I would definitely not be laying the chalk on Agapova as this much of a favorite. Have not bet Cyphers at plus 200 myself uh, yet. I just think that uh, just like her last fight, I mean, she was plus 415 in her last fight against Mackenzie Dern, and even though she lost that fight via first-round submission, she was a good bet because she was looking like the favorite she was winning the first few minutes of that fight before just getting sloppily taken down and submitted but there's not much of a, a finish threat in this fight and i think that she has the potential to make it close over the 15 minutes so it's going to be ciphers or pass dog or pass situation but i'm going to pick agapova by decision the next fight is in the Bantamweight division. We have Jordan Espinosa taking on Mark De La Rosa. The opening betting line for this one was Espinosa minus 225, De La Rosa plus 185. Right now we are seeing Espinosa minus 162, De La Rosa plus 140. 
Another fight where both fighters are moving up in weight class. Both of these guys typically fight at the 125 pound division, but they're both moving up to 35. And I think that favors Espinosa here because he's just the bigger guy. Uh, I think he's taller. He definitely seems like the better athlete. And De La Rosa is definitely one of the smallest guys on the entire roster. Both of these guys are coming off of a few losses in a row. And Espinosa, I think, has looked way worse than De La Rosa has in those few fights. And Espinosa versus Matt Schnell, he kind of got headbutted or something. He got hurt and then was triangle choked. And versus Alex Perez, he was just taken down and dominated on the ground and submitted in round one. So coming off of back-to-back submission losses, De La Rosa uh, had more uh, definitive losses where he was just soundly beaten by better fighters like Kai Car France and Julian Paiva and Alex Perez as well. And I thought he showed some decent promise in those fights. The Kaikara France fight, I thought he won a lot of minutes throughout that fight. His boxing looked a lot better, and he had decent output throughout that fight, but was just, uh, you know, outvolumed and uh, definitely lost the fight on optics. And I think Espinosa's style is just a very bad style, and it's a very um, amateur style, I would say. I mean, he's constantly darting in and out of the pocket, using a lot of energy, kind of just wings a lot of right hands, does not have very deep strength striking does not have traditional striking or uh, very consistent output either i mean we've only seen him in the uh, go the distance the one time in his ufc career but he only landed i believe 48 strikes in that fight versus uh, eric shelton yeah 47 strikes throughout the 15 minutes and he did win the fight but i mean when eric shelton was doing things and throwing his own strikes shelton was actually getting the better of the boxing exchanges and definitely won the last round versus espinosa as well so we have not really seen that much from Espinosa in the UFC. I mean, he had one low output decision win and then two quick submission losses. So we're not really sure how he'll look in this fight. I'm not really over impressed with his skill in general. Even his win over Dutro in the contender series, I thought he looked pretty sloppy and athletically reliant in that one. So I could see Espinosa just getting a, a knockout of De La Rosa because he's just a faster, more powerful guy. De La Rosa does not have the best boxing defense and did get knocked out in his last fight too. So uh, if this fight goes on the feet, though, and it stays in striking exchanges for long periods of time and goes into the later rounds, I think I favor De La Rosa to win a decision. If this one hits the scorecards, I think I favor De La Rosa's more consistent volume and his more traditional striking style to win the eyes of the judges. Uh, but if it ends by finish, I definitely think that Espinosa by knockout is the most likely uh, finish. I mean, De La Rosa does have some nice submissions, uh, does have a black belt, and Espinosa did get tapped out lately, but uh, I really do not think that De La Rosa gets the sub here. I just think there'll be too much of a physical difference between the two for De La Rosa to outgrapple him. So it's a dog or pass situation, in my opinion. I just think that uh, Espinosa's style is not a good style to be betting as a favorite. He's very finish reliant, not good volume, and he could gas out in those later rounds like he has in the past. So. It's a tough fight to make a pure pick on because if it goes to the decisions, I favor one fighter. And if it uh, ends inside the distance, I favor another fighter. But uh, I think I'm actually going to side with Jordan Espinosa to get the knockout in this one. I just think that De La Rosa is too hittable and there's going to be too much of an athletic and power and speed disadvantage between the two for, for De La Rosa. But I mean, if we see Espinosa abandon that goofy in and out style, if we see him slow down in the later rounds, I think De La Rosa will be live as an underdog in this one. But in terms of a pure pick, as of now, I'm going to go with Espinosa. Not seeing too much value in the betting line of De La Rosa. I think that uh, 
it's probably a pass on both sides of the betting spectrum in this one for me and maybe look to live bet De La Rosa in the later rounds if he does not get knocked out so that's going to do it for this fight and the next fight is in the featherweight division we have Andre Feely taking on Charles Jourdain the opening betting line for this one was Feely the favorite at minus 175 to Jourdain plus 150 Right now, we are seeing Feely minus 225 to Jordan plus 185. So more action coming in on Andre Feely as the favorite. This should be a really fun fight. Probably the most entertaining fight on the card. Really looking forward to it. And I think that the price is pretty accurate in this one. I do cap Feely in the minus 200 range. And think that he should win a decision pretty comfortably in this one. And Jordan did look good in his last fight getting a knockout over Duhua Choi. Um, but he did uh, get rocked pretty bad in round one of that fight and Choi just kind of I don't even know he had like a mental lapse in there he started getting hit with some shots stopped throwing as much maybe gassed out a little bit Jordan came on strong just started throwing crazy offense flying knees long combinations and then eventually was able to knock out Choi with a great counter left hand but uh, despite that being a, a very impressive knockout win as an underdog, I, I don't think he showed a very clean game. He didn't show much composure in there, and I definitely don't think that that matchup is relevant to Andre Feely. Uh, I think that you really got to go back and look at this Desmond Green fight to realize some of the weaknesses that he showed. That fight was at 155, so I'll give Jordan a little bit of credit, but he definitely showed some susceptibility to overextended on his punches, leaving himself open for takedowns, and I will say that Andre Feely has some of the best timing on his takedowns in all of the UFC it's crazy because the guy is not a wrestler I don't think he has a wrestling background of any kind but just training at a great camp like alpha male has improved his wrestling to a point where he can just time shots so well I mean he sees openings and has a very explosive double leg takedown and he hits it on great fighters uh, Dennis Bermudez a former wrestler Philly took him down a bunch of times he took down Siddiqui Youssef a few times and he's not really a top position type of guy most of his opponents usually get back up to their feet but when the striking isn't going his way or he wants to mix things up on the feet that's always uh, a big arsenal uh, big part of his arsenal that he can use um, in the striking this one I just think that Feely's the much cleaner striker I mean we've seen him outstrike really good strikers like Shaman Marais and uh, Miles Jury and even had a very competitive fight with uh, Sadiq Youssef in his last fight I mean that fight was so, so razor close. I mean, he was on his way to winning round one. Yusef uh, muscled this crazy Kimura and got top position and stole the round back. Uh, got taken down and stuck on bottom in round two. And then uh, Sadiq guessed out in round three and Feely won that fight, uh, that last round. So just such a close fight. It really came down to one sequence in round one. And if Feely maybe has a different defense, he could have been on a, a five-fight win streak right now. So... I think this fight is a kind of a bounce back fight for Feely. I think that he outstrikes Jordan. He can uh, switch uh, switch it up and hit takedowns if he wants to. Um, we might even see some extended top control time from Feely because Jordan has not looked good off of his back at all. Um, so I favor Feely wherever this fight goes. And the only uh, outcome I see Feely losing it is if it stays on the feet for long periods of time and it gets into an even volume war and maybe Feely fights below his level a little bit and uh, gives uh, Jordan the fight that he wants, and that's just a straight kickboxing match. So as long as Philly mixes it up and uses his better overall MMA skill, I think he wins this fun, uh, one pretty comfortably. And I think the line on this one is almost dead accurate. I really don't see much... Uh, 
much value in either fighter at this current price. I mean, maybe if some uh, Jordan action comes in and Feely gets under 2-1, to one, he would be worth the bet. But at the current price, I'm not seeing any value between the two. And uh, once again, pick his Feely decision. The next fight is in the Bantamweight division. We have Mirab Davalashvili taking on Ray Borg. Mirab opened the favorite at minus 210 to Borg plus 160. Since then, heavy action coming in on Mirab. He's now minus 420 to Borg plus 335. So, once again, heavy action coming in on Mirab Davalashvili. And it seems like the, the betting public is finally learning about what a tank Marab Davalashvili is. I mean, the guy is just an unstoppable cardio pressure machine. He shoots constant takedowns. He's got amazing cardio and output. He's just showing pretty much uh, indestructible qualities in, in the octagon. It, it sounds like I'm exaggerating, but I mean, the guy is just such a tank. Sure, he has that one technical loss uh, to Ricky Simone where he got choked out at the end of the fight, but he won the first two rounds of that fight. He probably should have won a decision, but the referee messed up on that one. Although it was a very weird sequence, so you can't you can't uh, you know criticize the guy too much. But uh, Murab has just looked fantastic in the UFC so far. He got a very nice win over Casey Kenny in his last fight, and Ray Borg has had a very up and down uh, career in the UFC. He's missed weight a lot, bouncing back and forth between weight classes. But I will say, in his last fight, I think he honestly turned a corner, and it could be just one fight. It could uh, not be uh, a consistent pattern between him. But I think that he looked fantastic versus Ricky Simone and despite him losing that fight I thought that he looked like uh, maybe one of the best Ray Borgs we've ever seen and it's crazy because I mean he lost that fight pretty decisively but he still might have looked like a better fighter in that loss than he had in his previous wins throughout his career so some of the uh, improvements I noticed for him were uh, the counter-punching skills of him. He was actually counter-punching Ricky Simone on the feet. He was punching to the body a lot and just throwing punches in combinations. He was very fast. He looked like he had improved boxing, and it came out of nowhere, to be honest. So I think that when the fight is, is striking in this one, I think it's going to be very competitive, and I think the board actually wins the striking exchanges. And most of that comes out of uh, Marab just kind of uh, relentlessly charging forward. He doesn't really have much defense. He just kind of relies on his durability and his pressure and uh, landing more strikes than you. So Marab's going to be marching forward, throwing the more strikes, but I think Borg lands the more damaging strikes. Um, but where it's going to be difficult for Borg to win is just the stopping the grappling. I mean, I mean, Davalashvili just relentlessly shoots takedowns, and he, he hits takedowns. He's a fantastic wrestler. He does not have great top control time, uh, but he it doesn't really matter because he'll just drag you back to the ground. He'll hit mat returns. He'll shoot separate takedowns, and uh, he really should outgrapple Ray Borg. Borg was taken down and held down a little bit by Ricky Simone, and I think that Borg's uh, you know scrambling ability, his get-ups looked great in that fight. I mean, he was on bottom in some bad positions and was able to scramble back up to his feet uh, despite him being uh, the smaller guy he is the former flyweight fighting natural bantam weights and he, he looked uh he looked like he could hold his own at the weight class he's definitely undersized though that i mean there's no question about that he's not a natural 135er but i still think he could possibly have success late in his career uh, at the 135 pound weight class so uh, i think that borg actually is a pretty valuable bet at minus or at plus 
335 and i think that uh, that's because the striking exchanges are going to be razor close they could even be going to borg and believe it or not marab devalishvili struck for more than half of that casey kenny fight i counted some of the minutes up and he spent about eight minutes of that fight striking so he can't strike versus uh, for eight minutes versus ray borg because he will lose uh, a lot of those minutes and he might lose rounds and possibly a decision and he really is just going to have to shoot a lot of takedowns. If Marab shoots takedowns and is wrestling for 10 minutes plus, sure, he's going to dominate the decision. But if he fools around uh, at striking distance before or uh, again like he did uh, versus uh, Casey Kenny last fight, I think it becomes a much closer fight than the odds indicate. So as far as a pure pick, I'm still going to side with Marab Davalashvili by decision. But at Ray Borg at plus 335, I think he's worth about a half unit bet. And I think that he has some uh, some good moments in this fight. And... A lot, a lot would have to go right for him to win it. I think that he would have to do uh, damage with the body shots, take some of the gas tank out of Davalashvili, stuff takedowns, get off his back, scramble. I mean, he's going to have to really put on the best performance of his career to get this win. But, I mean, I think it is within the po- uh, realm of po- the possibilities. And even though Davalashvili is a tank of a fighter, he's a really fun fighter to watch. And I've been endorsing the hell out of him throughout this, uh, this past podcast segment. But I think that, I mean, he's still human after all. He can be hurt by punches. He could possibly gas out. He could not look in his best form in this corona uh, atmosphere. So I think that it's definitely a dog or pass situation at this point. And uh, the pick again is uh, Mara by decision. In the co-main event of the evening, we have in the middleweight division, Carl Roberson taking on Marvin Vittori. The opening betting line for this one was a Vittori minus 200, Roberson plus 170. Right now, we are looking at Vittori minus 230, Roberson plus 190. So this fight has been booked once again. It's been booked, I think, two or three times now. They were supposed to fight at a UFC event, I think, two or three weeks ago. They were all weighed in, and Carl Roberson was ha- uh, forced to pull out on fight day. I think he missed weight for the fight, did not have a good weight cut, and now they're fighting a few weeks later. And you got to wonder if uh, he had a bad weight cut a few weeks ago. I mean, he didn't really have much time to recover, and he could be coming in here possibly still compromised in this fight. I'm not taking that into consideration too heavily. I think it's a slight possibility, but I'll just analyze the matchup as if that's not a factor at all. You can't really take those intangible factors too seriously when you're capping fights. You really just got to trust what you see on the actual tape. So uh, I still do like Vittori in this fight uh, based on, on the tape that I've seen from him. I mean, Vittoria has just improved a ton in his past few fights. I mean, we've seen the leaps that he's made as a fighter. His takedown defense has gotten a lot better. His boxing, I think, is sharper than ever. He's got that southpaw boxing. He's a good counterpuncher. He throws consistent volume. He's got a chin on him. He can take a punch. He's got good cardio in the later rounds. I mean, he really checks all the boxes uh, when you're looking for uh, you know some good attributes in a fighter. And I think he's probably one of the better fighters uh, north of 170 pounds right now. I think he's got a lot of promise. And I think that Carl Roberson is a pretty decent fighter as well. Definitely not uh, as skilled as Vittori, but he does also have some decent southpaw striking of his own. He has uh, a very nice leg kick that was a big factor in his last fight against Kopilov. He can hit some takedowns and uh, hit submissions from time to time as well. Uh, I did. I will admit that the the Terman fight was a big concern from Roberson. He did not look very good in terms of the the fight IQ in that one and getting taken down, getting his back taken. I mean, he was able to escape some positions from time to time, but was put in a lot of bad spots and. 
and really against the cage is where he struggled. I mean, Terman would push him against the cage and take him down, and he would keep him down against the cage, and Roberson just really struggled uh, against the cage in that fight. So I think that Vittori will be the better striker on the feet. He will be the better boxer, landed in the more effective strikes. And I think that uh, Vittori has the better takedown defense of the two. And uh, if Roberson is looking to hit takedowns, he will likely fail. And if uh, Vittori wants to hit takedowns, I think he will probably hit them. I think that Vittori's takedowns are good enough and his top game is impressive enough. I mean, he was uh, out grappling uh, Mutanche Ferreira not that long ago, who's, you know, like a fifth degree black belt or something. So Vittori is just a, a great athlete, really improving fighter. I've been liking what I've seen from him. And uh, there's a reason why he's being bet down. I mean, this fight, uh, when it was supposed to happen a few weeks ago, I think Vittori was actually minus 170 for a while. And then he got bet pretty heavily. And uh, now he's sitting at minus 230 a few weeks later. So it seems like uh, the public is on Vittori. Maybe that weight cut uh, is affecting Roberson's line a little bit. But I will say that if Roberson is able to get the leg kick going in this fight, I think it could shut a lot of Vittori's movement down. It could make this fight very close, and it could be uh, the the factor that makes this fight uh, much closer and could even give Roberson the victory here. So I'm sticking with Vittori as the pick by decision, and that is going to do it for the coming event which takes us to the main event of the evening. In the women's flyweight division, we have Jessica I taking on Cynthia Calvillo. The opening betting line for this one was Jessica I, the favorite, minus 135. Cynthia Calvillo, the plus 115 underdog. Right now, we are seeing a pick em at minus 110 for both fighters, which means that more action is coming in on Cynthia Calvillo, although there is definitely two-way action coming in on this fight. Both sides are being bet, and it's because it's a close fight. Uh, I think it's the first main event for both of them. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, Jessica I fought in uh, for the title in the co-main event not that long ago, but she did not go the full five rounds. And we should note that Cynthia Calvillo is moving up in weight class for this one. She uh, missed weight for her last fight and I think was forced to move up to 125. So we have not seen her at, at this new weight class yet. It's uh, you know uncharted territory in the 115 or 125 pound division for uh, Calvillo. And she's actually coming off of a draw on her last fight uh, against marina rodriguez she was outstruck in the first two rounds of that fight really struggled to hit takedowns but did get a takedown and actually dominated around three enough to get a 10-8 on some of the judges scorecards to earn herself a draw so previously she had looked bad in the later rounds and i think she actually dug deep and uh you know performed well in the third round versus uh, marina rodriguez in that fight and it's, it's difficult in this fight for Calvillo because I think that her, her win condition is very, very narrow. and It's hitting takedowns in the first round or two. And it's honestly getting a submission because I don't see her out grappling Jessica I for three rounds and not getting a submission. Um, I don't see Cynthia Calvillo having any success in the striking. So I think the Calvillo submission is really her only path to victory. And if she does not get that, I think that... I probably takes the fight over and wins the fight either by late uh, finish or probably by decision as the most likely outcome. So I think we'll see Calvillo looking to hit takedowns early. But honestly, I think that Jessica I's takedown defense and defensive grappling is good enough to avoid the takedown, avoid getting stuck on her back, avoid getting her back taken by Calvillo, who can be uh, a slick grappler on the ground at, from time to time. But overall, just not too impressed with Calvillo's top game. Her striking is very, very raw. And she's been looking to strike a lot more in her past few fights and maybe get some experience in it. But, I, I mean, 
I have not been seeing uh, good improvements from Calvillo. I mean, the way she throws her strikes is very off balance. She does not have good footwork, not have good power. And I think that Jessica I is just a better well-rounded mixed martial artist. There's no doubt she's got better experience, uh, has fought and beaten the better competition. There's no doubt that Jessica I is the better striker. I think that she looked very good on the feet versus Viviana Araujo in her last fight. It was landing a ton of lead uh, inside leg kicks, busting up uh, Araujo's uh, lead leg. And I was also boxing up uh, Araujo in that fight. It was a very good performance from Jessica I. Uh, great bounce back win after getting knocked out uh, by Shevchenko. One of the most devastating knockouts of all time. You know, Jessica I was kind of taken as a joke for a while, but, you know, I gained a little bit of respect for her before her last fight. I was able to bet on her and profit on her, so I'm definitely, uh, you know, grateful for I right now. But I just think this is a good matchup for her. I mean, she's going to be the bigger woman in there. She's going to have more ways to win the fight. And as long as she can avoid that early takedown from Calvillo, she should uh, start to take over and coast in these later rounds because her experience and striking advantage is really going to come into play. So. The pick for me in this one is Jessica I by decision. It's not a fight that I would advise betting too confidently on because it's women's MMA. It's, you know, neither of these women are elite level fighters. And I think that some fuckery could happen in this fight. You know, uh, Calvillo could take her down and just submit her in 90 seconds on some weird, weird shit. But uh, I think that uh, more often than not, the fight goes into the later rounds where I takes over and gets the win late. So once again, the pick for me is I by decision. Wouldn't go too crazy bet in this one, but I would uh, understand a bet on Jessica I at minus 110. I think that she should be the favorite at around minus 150 and maybe even a little higher than that. So I uh, would not, not play on Jessica I at all at these odds. So not as many bets as last week. Uh, we are on Aguilera. Money line for one unit, Aguilera, no scorecards, and the over one and a half in that fight. Derek Minner, money line. Uh, Tyson Nam, money line. Uh, Jordan Espinosa, no scorecards. Kevin Aguilar, no scorecards. Half a unit on Ray Borg at plus 335, somewhere around that price. Have not made the bet yet. Uh, might even go in on Jessica I for a unit uh, as well. So there's a lot of betting value in this one. All my final bets will be published on my Bet MMA Tips page, which you can find in the YouTube description or on my Twitter. And that is going to do it for this episode of Martian MMA. Thank you all for listening, and I will see you all before the next UFC. Peace. Peace.